You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spate. We've been working our way through the words of Jesus, specifically the words of Jesus that occur in Matthew chapter 5, the section that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, how many of you remember this picture? It hit the news about four months ago. It comes from the war in the Ukraine. Russia had been attacking, especially the northern cities, and as frequently happens, uh, a Russian was captured. A a Russian was now a prisoner of war. But the citizens of the town where he was taken looked at the Russian, saw that he was cold. So they gave him a cup of hot tea. They saw that he was hungry, so they gave him a piece of freshly baked bread. They saw that he was lonely and he was frightened. And so the lady with the purple hair there, I wonder if that's natural, (laughs) used her cell phone and hooked him up with a video chat with his mother in Russia. Now, just for some context, the Ukrainians had already gone through one Russian invasion. About 10 years ago, Russia invaded. And they took over part of the Ukraine. They took over the Crimea. Now they were at it again. And yet, they found this Russian soldier. And they loved him. Today, we're going to talk about when Jesus said Love your enemy. This is the last section. Uh, Next week, we're going to be getting new uh, uh, topic. We're going to be talking about the heart of worship. But today, we finish up this this word of Jesus. Let's go ahead and read. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor. And if you'll notice there in the translation we have, love your neighbor is in quotes. Hate your enemy, not in quotes. We're going to come back to that in just a couple of minutes. Jesus goes on, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on both the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now this passage, it is a well-known quote from Jesus. If you ask anybody on the street, who said love your enemies? They're going to say Jesus. 
They know that Jesus said this. But if you ask people, what is your favorite quote from Jesus? They're not going to talk about this one. This doesn't even make it to the top ten. And it doesn't because it is so different from what we normally do. It's, it's so different from the way we normally act. This teaching of Jesus is truly revolutionary. Now just to remind you, Jesus in all of this section six times he follows a specific pattern. He says, it has been said, or you have heard. And he quotes something from the Old Testament that has been misinterpreted. Then Jesus says, but I say, and frequently he will again quote the Old Testament, but interpreting it well. Well, this one is different. You've heard that it was said, Love your enemy, uh, excuse me, um, love your neighbor. I remember that had quotes around it in the translation that we read. That's because this comes from the Old Testament. In the book of Leviticus, the law says, love your neighbor. Jesus went on and said, it's been said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. There were no quotes around that. You know why? That is not a quote from the Old Testament. There is no place in the Old Testament that says we are to hate our enemy. So where does this come from? <laughs> we don't have to look very far. It comes from the human heart. This is the way we are wired. This is what we've learned to do all of our life. We love those who love us back. Those who don't, not so much. In fact, we learn to hate our enemy. Now the word enemy, that's a word that we don't use typically in normal language. We reserve it for warfare. When we're engaged in warfare with another country, we typically call them the enemy. And that's about the only place we use that. We don't create a list of enemies. That is, unless you're Sheldon Cooper. And when Sheldon Cooper talks about his list of enemies, we laugh. Because that's not what we do. Well, Jesus, he's talking about something very real, isn't he? So apparently, Jesus has in mind a particular type of person that we need to learn to love. So who is our enemy? Jesus does go on. He says, uh, pray for those who persecute you. Persecution, we did a podcast on persecution, didn't we? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about horrible things, even, even murder taking place in persecution. But the word, just as a word, doesn't necessarily imply persecution. It just means someone who pursues you. Someone 
who's offended by you, and they don't give up. They just keep ragging on you. They just keep coming back to that. Someone that that maybe we come to resent because of the way they treat us. Someone that, frankly, we just can't stand. Someone who, who irritates us. They won't let it go. They're holding a grudge. And so our tendency is to hold a grudge right back at them. So think about your life. Think about the people that you know. It's pretty easy to come up with a, a quick list of our friends, the people who are close to us. But you know what? It's probably just as easy to come up with a list of people that were pretty quick to say, yeah, they're not friends. I know them, but I really wish I didn't know them. Think about those people. Think about the people that you just don't like. Think about that neighbor who plays loud music at night. Maybe it's a person on social media. In fact, on some social media networks, you have the chance to unfriend a person. Isn't that making them an enemy? It's saying you are no longer a friend. Are there people in your real life, not your virtual life, that you wish there was an unfriend button that you could push and you wouldn't have to deal with them again? Think of that person. Maybe it's somebody on the other side of the political spectrum. Might even be somebody that you don't even know personally. You see them on TV, but every time you see them, they start to speak, and you say, well, I don't know what they said, but I disagree. Maybe it's a family member. That family member that just seems to take and take and take and never get back. I want you to think of a person Right now. Now, if you have a pen and paper, write the name down. If you have a cell phone, take it out. You probably have an app on there where you take notes, write the name down. Or if you don't, send a text to yourself with that name. Think about that person. That person that you just can't stand. That person who irritates you. And they do it intentionally. That is your enemy. That's the one who Jesus is saying, learn how to love them. Now, Jesus says, love your enemy. So what does that mean? You know, it's interesting. 
as soon as Jesus says, love your enemy, he does not begin by talking about ways in which we can love our enemies. He does get around to that. But he starts by saying, love your enemies because God loves them. He says, God causes the sun to rise on both our friends and our enemies. And God causes the rain to fall on both our friends and our enemies. So obviously, God loves, God cares for both our friends and our enemies. Now, if you want to be a child of God, you need to love them just like God loves them. We love them. He starts with the why, not the how. We need to love them because God loves them. And if God loves them, who are we to say we hate them? Now, I was thinking about this that this week, and it seems to me that this gets at the very heart of Christianity, the very essence of what it means to be a Christian. When God created Adam and Eve, he told them to do two things. He told them to rule the earth and to fill the earth. Now they started in a very small patch of earth. A patch so small it wasn't even called a field, it was called a garden. Gardens typically aren't huge. Well, God put Adam and Eve in a garden, the Garden of Eden. And he said, first of all, rule over this garden. You look at the word rule, it means to care for primarily. It means to take care of. They were to work the land. They were to care for the animals, make sure the animals had the food that they needed. They were to harvest the fruit and enjoy the fruit. And then they were to fill the earth. They were to take what was true in the Garden of Eden and spread it over the whole earth. Then chapter 3 comes. They sin. Satan comes and he says, If you eat from that tree, you'll know what good and evil is. You eat from that tree, you'll become like God. And they said, like the sound of that. And they did it. And suddenly, instead of ruling over creation, instead of caring for creation, nurturing the world that God had given them, they began to exploit each other and creation itself. They began to look for what they could get out of creation instead of what they could give to creation. They looked at what they could get out of each other instead of looking for ways to nurture each other. And secondly, instead of expanding, they began to hoard. They began to lust after things. They began a lifetime of saying, I want more. And they got it. They got more. And when they got more, what did they do? They looked and they said, 
Not enough. I want more and more and more. And they began to hoard. They replaced ruling and expanding with exploiting and lusting. Instead of going into the whole world, they looked for what they could get simply for themselves. Now Martin Luther talked about this. He uh, wrote a sermon. In his sermon, he said, the essence of sin, it is that which is, he wrote it in Latin, it's that which is en corvatus en se. Roughly translated, that means sin is that which is curved in upon itself. The essence of sin is selfishness. The essence of sin is an egocentric self-interest and self-focus. Christ came to teach us how to love. Christ came to teach us how to focus on others. How to look out instead of always looking inward. This is what it means to be a Christian. If the essence of sin is an intense self-focus, the essence of Christianity is an open others focus. That's what it means to love. To be interested in and dedicated to the good of the other. The good of those who live around us. That's what Christ calls us to. At the turn of the, of the 20th century, the early 1900s, there was a man named Charles Finney. He uh, came to the Lord and he began to share his faith. He was known as one of the greatest evangelists who ever lived. lived. Hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of people came to the Lord because of his ministry. He was a wonderful preacher, and people, when he would speak, would come to hear and give themselves to Jesus. He wrote a theology, and the center of his theology is what he called disinterested love. I first heard that, and I thought, no, 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 that's, uh, that's a self-contradiction. Because I thought self-interested meant apathetic. But that's not the way Finney was using it. He drew the distinction between selfish love and disinterested love. Selfish love is the love that says, I love you for what I can get out of you. I love you because maybe you love me back. I love you because you are more influential, more powerful than I am. And it puts me in a good status. I love you. Maybe because you're a family member, that's what families do. But I love you because of some reason. Disinterested love is the kind of love that God had first for us. It says, I love you, period. No interest. It's not because of what you give me. 
God loves us because that's his nature. That's who he is. God loves us. Not because of what he can get from us. He'll get nothing from us. He loves us because he's God. And then he looks at us and he says, figure it out. Learn to love this way. Do what I do. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He tells us to love those who don't love us back, who won't love us back. They are our enemy. And Jesus says, learn to love them. Now, what does that look like? Jesus gets into that. He does it with one simple word. He says that we need to greet them. What good is it if you greet only your friends? You need to greet your enemies. Well, things have changed in 2,000 years because today, when we talk about a greeting, a greeting can be as simple as seeing somebody across the room and saying, what's up? Right? That's a greeting. Not in Jesus' time. Do you remember the passages where when somebody was telling somebody, be in a hurry, they said, don't greet anybody in the street. You know why they did that? Because a greeting in Jesus' time was a genuine, open, detailed conversation. A greeting in Jesus' time meant that you stopped, you genuinely inquired about each other's health, about each other's family. You reached out to someone else. How do we love our enemies? Reach out to them. Isn't that, in essence, what we avoid doing? We have that person that we just can't stand, so we see them down this hall, so we're going to go down that hall. So we don't have to talk to him. Jesus says, hey, talk to him. Reach out to them. Greet them. Engage them in a genuine conversation. In that conversation, seek to understand rather than seeking to be understood. That's where so many of our problems come from. We want to make sure that they understand us. Now, this is exactly what Jason was talking about earlier. Grace and truth. We hold the truth. We want to make sure they know the truth. Jesus says, you know what? Understand them first. Don't let go of the truth. But find out what they think. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Find some common ground. It'll be there. You'll find something that you can identify with. Some common experience or some common feeling. Hold on to truth, but be willing to forgive. Now Jesus doesn't say all of these things here in this passage. 
But in his teaching, in fact, here in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about each one of these things. This is how we reach out to our enemies. We engage them in conversations. We talk to them. We let them know that they're important. That we want to understand them. Earlier I asked you to write down a name. If you did, look at that name. If you didn't write it down, you were thinking of one. What can you do this week to reach out to that person? And by that I mean to engage with them in a meaningful conversation. I'm not asking you to let go of the truth. Hang on to the truth. But talk to them. Find out in their life what's going on. Find out what you might be able to do to help them. Can you begin a conversation with them that seeks to understand instead of first being understood? Can you bring yourself to forgive them? Truth and grace. It seems to me that what Jesus is telling us here He is asking us to do exactly what he did. He's asking us to do exactly what God did. In fact, he points that out. God loves our friends as well as our enemies. God sends rain to our friends and our enemies. God sends the sun on both our friends and our enemies. seems to me like Jesus is saying that if you want to be a child of God, that's great. Children of God act like their father. (laughs) Do you ever notice that this is what kids do? You'll, dads, you'll see your son, moms, you'll see your daughter doing something and you'll go, oh no. (laughs) They're doing exactly what I do. That's what children do. That's what we're supposed to do. Children of God act like their father. God loves everybody, friend and enemy alike. So should we. So what are we saying? Very simply, if we want to live, love, and go like Jesus, we need to lose that self-focus. That's the essence of sin. Let's Leave that behind. Let's replace it with a focus on others. Man's going to come back up. We're going to sing a song. Then we're going to go out into the week. Let me pray for us as we do. Lord Jesus, your words are not easy. They're not easy to hear. They're not easy to read. They are definitely Not easy to do. And this is one of the hardest. Loving the people who we know already will not love us back. And yet that's what you did on the cross. You said, Father, forgive them.
Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.